Well, good morning, you lot. How are we doing? You all right? Lots coming up, isn't there? Um, busy season ahead. Um, can't believe it's October already. Who said that this week? Can't believe it's October already. I bet lots of us have said that already this week. Um, wow, great morning as well of worship. Band served us really well in that. I just felt really kind of a bit like Adam, really over, overcome by, by the love of God. And um, yeah, just fantastic. It was just, yeah, amazing. Isn't he good? It's just overcome. I was a, I was a bit overcome uh, this weekend, but in a different way. My wife and I had a, were celebrating our wedding anniversary. She's uh, put up with me now for 14 years. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, and uh, we went to see Michael McIntyre at the O2, and I was slightly overcome in different ways because I was just laughing so much. Uh, he might not be your cup of tea, and that's, that's okay. Um, but but yeah, it was just good to, to go out and spend time, you know, away from the kids and just spend a bit of time together. And um, it was just interesting because, you know, when you've got three kids, life is busy and you don't really kind of notice a lot else that's going around. But, you know, there's two of us, you can just stroll along and chat and notice what's going on in the world around you. It's, it's amazing. There are people around you and, and stuff and you're not constantly telling people to stop running away or put their shoes on and things like that. Um, and we had a, a great weekend. I like to, you know, give you a little window into my life. I remember last time I had, we went and had a date night at the, what did we go to? The proms in the park. Do you remember that? So we were just, you know, sharing. We're getting to know each other. This is good. Um, so we went to the O2 to see Michael McIntyre. Anyway, I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. Um, I, just wandering around and just sort of observing. We had a whole day yesterday as well without the children. It was amazing. <coughs> And uh, just observing people around us as well, just kind of, you know, people watching a bit, not in a creepy way, but, um, uh, but it, it, was just, it was just interesting. Because actually on Friday night, we were walking back to the train station to get the tube, and there was this couple walking alongside us, and they were arguing um, really badly, not in a kind of me and Gemma type way, where we just bicker and try and see who's right and wrong. Um, they, they were really going at it, and I just thought, wow, the way this guy was talking to his wife was just appalling. And yesterday, we were wandering around, and we were having lunch, um, and just observing people and just thinking, wow, your life must suck without Jesus. And I just remembered my, my life, I thought at the time was okay without Jesus, and then he brought Gemma into my life. 17 years ago, and um, my life has never been the same. And this morning, we're looking at what it means to share our faith. Disciples share. And we're all to play our part in this. You know, we're getting excited talking about the church growing, it, doing a, uh, an additional service at four o'clock. Hey, if you came last week, wasn't it great? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was preaching, so I, I you know, but it. But it was great. But we're doing that because we're allowing more opportunities to, for people to come in and hear the gospel, the gospel of good news. But we have to play our part in that. You just look around. There are just so many people. You're thinking they might look like mm, they've got it all together and life's great. But actually, inside, there's a hole inside them. There is a hole inside them. Um, and I just felt the Lord to speak to me just, just now, um, just to kind of remind us um, about why we should do this. And um, God spoke to a prophet 700 years or so before um, 
Jesus was born to the prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah 53, I haven't got it on the screen, but if you've got, you know, the old-fashioned way, see this, that young people, this is called a book. It's got pages in it. It's called a Bible. It's not on your phone, but you can, you can if you've got one of those old-fashioned things called a book, a, a Bible, you can turn to, it's in the Old Testament, okay, just in case you, right? The Isaiah 53, um, it just kind of... This is him prophesying the arrival of the Messiah. And this is why we should do it, because he says from verse 1, Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, this is talking about Jesus, grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Jesus was born in a stable. And no beauty that we should desire him. It's probably more like a cave, but we won't go into that. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as of one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our, our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced, for our transgressions, prophesying the, the um, spear that was put into Jesus' side. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, it says in my version, ESV, <clears throat> that brought us peace, and his wounds we are healed. All, all we like sheep have gone astray, it says. Everybody, everybody that was around me at the O2, if they didn't know Jesus, had gone astray. All have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And we have those conversations with people who go, well, I'm all right. I don't need God. My life's pretty good. All has gone his own way. All has become their own God. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Because there is a price to pay for mankind turning his back and living his own way. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who was considered, that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with a wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. That's Jesus who lived the perfect, righteous life, fulfilled the law perfectly. Yet, as we're thinking about this Jesus who lived the perfect life, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Wow. It's talking about Jesus, the Son of God, came down, and upon him was all of our transgressions, all of our iniquities, was laid upon him. And now, if you are in Christ, you are free from that, free from sin, free from the fear of death. That's why we should share. That's why we should think about seriously about sharing our faith and <clears throat> I don't know about you but 
I haven't got this all sorted and I, I sometimes just get so caught up in life, you know, busy life, family, and thinking about what we're doing church-wise as well, but I get so caught up and forget that every day there's people around me that I can speak to. There are people in my life every day that I can speak to. And sometimes I just, I have moments like this morning where I encounter him and I just almost have another revelation of who he is and how majestic he is and how much he loves me and what he's done for me. And I think, Lord, how can I not but tell? How can I not but tell people about you? But then that feeling gets a bit suppressed and I can push that away and then I can just get on with my normal life because, you know, that's quite difficult, isn't it, talking to people? But we are called to make disciples. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And we don't have to do it by ourselves. In Acts 1, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. You don't have to do this by yourself. I remember at the beginning of my Christian life thinking, it, it petrified me, terrified me to think about telling people about Jesus, telling people about what happened to me, how I had changed. I didn't realise people could see what had happened. I didn't realise people could say, you're a different bloke. But we receive power, so it's not in our own power, but his power that comes and lives within us. And we just need to come back to the two greatest commandments. I've probably said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. The two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and to love your neighbour as yourself. See, when you love the Lord with all your heart and you really see who he is, then you, you, you want to overflow. Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, when he was sending out his disciples, he said, The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely you give. Freely you've received. It, you didn't do anything to earn it, by the way, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian. You didn't do anything. He chose it. And the fact that you can believe is a gift. Freely you've received, now freely you must give. Now, <clears throat> I was a, a little bit anxious, a little bit apprehensive when we first moved here um, back in um, January 2017. And Adam said, Ian is coming and he is going to be the evangelist. <laughs> no, he did. He said... Ian is going to be the evangelist. And um, <clears throat> he doesn't talk like that. Um, because I was thinking, oh man, I've really got to do the stuff now. I've really got to live up to that. And, but, but before I kind of try and... Uh, by the way, I'm not, I'm not perfect at this. I haven't got it sussed. I, I, I still fail all the time at, at this. Before I kind of give out some helpful advice on sharing your faith, I feel like we should just look at two things first. 
knowing Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because without those things, you're swimming against the tide. You see, when you know him, I mean really know him, know his power, his love, what he's achieved for you on the cross, when you realise the state you were in, I love quoting this verse as well, you were in a dead state. Ephesians 2.1 says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Then it goes on in verse 4, but God, another one of those big but gods in Scripture, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our, our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. When you let that truth get deep into your heart, when you truly understand that, let it affect your very being, your in, from the inside out. That's what that song was singing about, wasn't it, this morning? From the inside out. It's almost like me and Gabriel planned this, but we didn't. <clears throat> from the inside out, you want to tell people about this good news. You want to tell people about this saviour. But we need to build our house on the rock. In Matthew 7, that's right, young people, you don't have to turn to your Bible now, we've got it on the screen. Verse 24, Matthew 7, verse 24, says this, Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them would be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. You see, now, this kind of this applies to building your whole life upon Christ. But also, we can apply it to sharing our faith as well, because you need to build your life on the rock. You need to get to know him really well. Because, I mean, there is an element as well, slightly contradicting myself, of the little we know we share, because I did used to try and share my faith a bit when I was a, a, an early believer. But the more we get our foundations into him, the more we dig down. And it's, it's hard to dig into rock. I worked in the building industry for 20 years. I know what I'm talking about. It's hard to dig down into rock. It's, it's hard work, but it's worth it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was that fall of it. And in my early uh, Christian walk, I hadn't put my foundations right down into the rock. And when people challenged me, the winds came, the rain fell, my house just slid down. And I was, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I don't know about that point. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling. I don't know. But we need to grow we need to move beyond the milk. We must never, never move on from the gospel, but we need to grow into maturity. Paul even prays that, doesn't he, in his uh, letters. Get to know what you believe. That's why I, I came across these challenges, and I, I just thought, I've got to, got to know this book better. I've got to know more of him. That's why I felt challenged um, several years ago to, to go to Bible college. And ended up going to um, 
I went to Spurgeon's Bible College in London and then went to the New Frontiers Leadership Training. And do you know what? The more I got to know him through this book, the more I studied it, the more I realised how incredible he was, how much he loved me. And the more, the more I dug in, the, the further I went into the rock, the more I loved him and the more I loved him, the more I wanted to tell people about him. You see, if we truly believe this, if we truly believe this, we need to look into it. Find out the foundations of our belief. People are often surprised when we, we do Alpha. Um, on the first or second week, we look at who is Jesus. And, and uh, the new videos are really good, actually. And they look at um, the evidence behind uh, Scripture and Jesus. And we look at uh, textual criticism, which looks at the original manuscripts of Scripture. And people are really surprised. Oh, yeah, actually, there's a lot of evidence for this. Well, compared to other ancient manuscripts, there's actually a lot more to behind the weight of Scripture than there is to other things that are, that are taught as fact in history lessons at school. People are really surprised by that. You see, people haven't really thought through. A lot of people, some people, uh, quite a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people that I speak to haven't really thought through their position, their worldview. Um, I've been doing Alpha for a, a, quite a few years now, and people will say sweeping statements like, science has disproved God. Well, no, that's not true. You no, know, it hasn't. Or even statements that don't make sense, like, I believe in science. Well, that's nice. So do I. Nice to meet you. Actually, this week we had a, a good discussion the previous week on Alpha, and I really dug into looking, and the question of suffering and evil came up the previous week, and I thought, well, it's definitely going to come up this week. We're looking at why did Jesus die? The video's really quite uh, intense on that, and talking about forgiveness and stuff. So I really did my research, looked into it, watched videos, read books. Nobody asked me about suffering this week. <laughs> They'd asked me another really great, deep question. I was like, yeah, that's a great question. Can we talk about suffering instead? <laughs> um, but, you know, even... And I, I used to... Because I, I didn't have a very good education I, through my own fault. I used to mess around a lot at school. and um, I used to be quite in awe of, of intelligent people. I was thinking, well, they're way, way, way brainier than me, more intelligent than me. I, I can't come up with these people and have a good, bold... Uh, discussion with them. <clears throat> but even apparent intelligent people haven't really thought through their position. Um, just at the beginning of the summer, I had a, um, a conversation with a guy who was a really successful uh, investment banker and um, really intelligent guy, very nice guy. Um, and we started talking about, so I knew his, uh, a family member of his who was a Christian, and we, we were talking about this stuff, and basically he believed in relativity. Well, it's all, everything's true, really. I'm thinking, well, no, no this, isn't, this, this isn't right. And he, he'd come to this, he jumbled all this stuff together, all these different worldviews, and put them together to make this kind of view that didn't really make sense. And I said, well... 
That's an interesting point of view. Um, but either Jesus really did die and rise again, or he didn't. Oh yeah, that's a good point, he said. So we mustn't be intimidated by people. But we really need to build our house, build our faith on the rock. See, when questions come, challenges come, we won't just be swept away. If we really get to know this book, spend time with our God. Spend time with him. That's what drives me on to share my faith more than anything else. Spending time with him. I have moments in my kitchen. That's the, the place of blessing and anointing in our house of worship where, when the kids are out. Um, where we worship and stuff and just have moments of just encountering him and wanting to, just thinking, I'm just so filled with love for him and uh, amazement of who he is and what he's done for me. I just want to go out and, and tell him more. So can I just encourage you, get to know him through this book, who he is, what he's done for you, but get to know him in encounters with him as well. Um, legend Ian Lane often quotes that verse of taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So we're called to bear fruit as disciples. Love people and win people for Christ. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit, Jesus said in John 15. How do we bear fruit? What's the best way? Be attached to the vine. In John 6, verse 63, it says, The Spirit gives life, but the flesh is of no help at all. So if we're not attached to the vine, if we're not really knowing him and walking with him, it's going to be very, very difficult to bear fruit. I realise I didn't put this verse in <clears throat> on my presentation. Um, it says in John 15, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me and I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus was saying to his disciples. Abide in him by being rooted in the word of God. Abide in him by seeking him in prayer. Listening to what he has to say. It's really crucial what Adam was talking about last week. See, I was listening. Uh, we can hear from God. God wants to speak to you. And we can so be, be so busy and have a quick prayer on the way to work, on the train, in the car, whatever, and we just don't stop and listen. And when those moments when I stop and listen are those moments when he guides me, he directs me, he speaks into my life about my, my character and my direction. Be rooted in him. Abide in him. Worship him. So I talked about worshipping in my kitchen, the place of anointing, is you, to worship, to have personal worship time. I can really encourage you to do that. Personal worship time and corporate worship time. That's why you should get yourselves to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. 
Because we worship together. We seek him. What does he have to say to us? We don't just come at him with a big list of uh, things we want to ask him for, but we want to seek his face as well as his hand. We want to just say, Lord, what do you want to say to us? That's abiding in him. And when you abide in him, when your house is firmly built on the rock, you know that you're loved unconditionally. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You've been justified, bought with a price, adopted into his family. You have direct access. You've been redeemed and set free from sin and death when you realize you're in a relationship with the living God. Well, that makes it so much easier. When you realize you're in a relationship with a God who loves you, you come into a realization as well that actually life wasn't about you in the first place. Because when we focus our lives upon ourselves and what's going on with us, then life gets pretty difficult. Um, I recommended a book a few weeks ago um, called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And there's a, go- a story of a, a guy who uh, was a Muslim and became a Christian. And at that moment, he was in torment of telling his family, or I think his family might have uh, just found out that he uh, converted to Christianity and, um, you know, all sorts of implications um, would happen with that. Rejection from family and the life that he knew. And he was just, he, he said he was just rocking backwards and forwards on the floor in tears saying, Lord, if you'd have just... If I'd have just believed and then you'd killed me, I'd have been happy because I'd be with you and you'd be happy because I'd be worshipping you and my, and my parents would be happy because they wouldn't know any different. And he just, was just sobbing and he was just in torment. And then he, he, he said he had never felt more clear a word of God speak to him there and then. And God said, this isn't about you. This isn't about you. God had saved this man for a purpose. To love, he saved him because he loved him. He saved him because he'd saved him for a purpose as well. And this guy ended up speaking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, thousands of Muslims as well, about who Jesus is. And his book has sold millions of copies. You see, that's what we need to do as well, is realize when we're coming to share our faith, because we worry about rejection, that life, it's not about us in the first place. So we can get mixed up as well. We can read things like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Just thinking, oh yes, this is great, Lord. This is, this is me. Yeah, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Lovely, great. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Oh, there's a bit at the end. For his name's sake. We think, oh, that's great. He loves me, which is true. He's restoring me, which he wants to but it's for his name's sake. He's restoring you, he's saved you, he's redeemed you for his name's sake and for his glory. Because he has prepared good works in advance for you to do. When you realise that, when you realise your life has been bought at a price, it's not about you, there's something far greater going on here, then you can breathe. Life is not about me. It's about him. You can be free from fear, free from fear of failure or fear of rejection. 
Who's been rejected here when trying to share their faith? Oh, good. Come on, let's be honest now, everybody. <clears throat> Unless some of you are just amazing at it. Great, because I'm with you on that. See, when we know we live our lives for his glory, when you're all sold out on mission, it doesn't matter if we're rejected. We're rejected because he was rejected. But in fact, when we're rejected, you are blessed. Did you know that? You are blessed. Jesus said in Luke 6, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn you, your name as evil, on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. So you have a reward waiting for you in heaven if you have been rejected. Doesn't it make you want to be rejected even more? The more you get rejected, the more rewards you get. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Your home isn't here. Your home is in heaven and you're going to be there for a lot longer than you are here. So why wouldn't you want to get rejected more? You're going to have more rewards there. Come on, let's think about this. This is practical here. I mean, let's just go now, shall we? Come on, let's go out and get rejected now. But when you've been rejected or you've missed an opportunity, I miss opportunities all the time. It doesn't mean you are a failure. It means you've had a failure. Do you get that? It doesn't mean you're a failure because we can go away and, and beat ourselves. Oh, no, I'm so terrible. I didn't say this. I didn't do that right. I wasn't very loving. No, it means you've had a failure and God wants to use that moment for you to learn about what, what happened and then able to move on for the next time. I have learned far more from my failures than I have from the times when actually it's gone okay-ish. Called to share. If you're on mission, you'll find your joy is complete. When Jesus was praying for his disciples in John 17, he prayed their joy would be complete. Being on mission, sharing your faith brings joy. It might be painful at times, especially if you're rejected. But remember the reward. Um, sharing Jesus brings joy. When you see people visibly change, seeing people actually look different when they get saved. I looked a lot different than this before I was saved, believe it or not. A lot worse, believe it or not. You see people change from years of addiction, years of patterns of behaviour. I was just telling Adam this week about a guy who we uh, saw saved in Bury in our time there. Um, uh, it started with uh, a lady in the church, a good friend of ours. Her uncle came in, experienced the presence of God, thought there's something more about this, came on Alpha, got saved. Then... Somebody moved in next door to this guy and he comes on Alpha and he gets saved. And um, he had a, both, actually both of them had serious heart conditions. And four years ago, this guy was told by the doctors, you've got six months to live. He's still alive now, just about. But God has extended his life for four years. He moved with into Bury with not many friends and family, but he came, he's now got a community that he knows and loves him, that's looked after him. His life has been extended by four years. His life has changed. And you get to live in the privilege of being part of that. It's a privilege. 
It, it wasn't me. That I played a small part in just chatting to this guy on a Thursday night in, in doing Alpha with this guy. And he is now, now he's nearing the end of his life. He was nowhere near Christ when he moved to Bury, but now he's going he's to be with God for eternity. That's so joyful. And he is different. You see, we are created for mission. As children, we want to go on mission. We want to be firemen, astronauts, explorers. Children don't say, when, when, when I grow up, I just you know, want to work in an office or something. We don't say that, do we? We, we want to save the world. We want to be superheroes. We want to get involved in a cause that's higher than our own personal needs. And when we do that, we find purpose and meaning. That's why people on mission are joyful. So sharing your faith, if we're thinking about it in a more active sense, can be joyful. See, if we live for ourselves, we don't make a difference. How can we? We don't have anything to die for. People... I like to live a life where people don't understand our lives because we're on mission. I like to think that people will think, well, why did you move to, to Bury St. Edmunds in Suffolk and then, then you move back again? Well, why did you do that? Why do you do things like you stand outside on a cold Saturday morning talking to people? Why, are your, why is your life constantly busy? Why do you come and, and do things on a cold Wednesday night, where, you know, in, on the 31st of October, there'll be nearly 100 kids, and the noise will be mad. Why, why do you do that? People don't understand it. I want to live a life, don't you, where people don't understand the things that you do. Why do you do that? Well, because I, I'm connected to the vine, because I love him more than anything else. They don't understand why we want to teach our kids this stuff, why indoctrination starts at breakfast time, why we're talking to our kids about this over breakfast. My kids know that we're on mission because we're talking to them about it all the time. Last Sunday, I was sitting down at the breakfast table, just me and two of them, and uh, my son, who's the oldest, looks at uh, my daughter, Eden, and he says, hey, Eden, Happy four o'clock church day, and they high-five each other because we've been talking about it, we've been praying about it. See, other people don't understand because they, they don't have anything worth dying for. If our joy is focused on anything other than Jesus, it is temporary and it will disappoint. Whether it's your husband, your wife, your job, your child, your house. The, the irony is, if we exaggerate our significance, we lose our significance. Being committed to sharing our faith, we join mission. Time is nearly upon us. I'm going to say one thing. I'm speaking next week, so that's right. I can interlock the two. When it comes to sharing our faith, the one thing I would do is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, is when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the no, I'll start that again. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come to you proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We can get caught up in all sorts of conversations, <clears throat> all sorts of difficulties, all sorts, you know, suffering and um, creation. 
bring it back to Christ. Bring it back to Jesus. People cannot deny the fact that Jesus was real. People do, but they don't really, haven't really done their research. And then, like Nabil Qureshi, the Muslim guy who came, became a Christian, he looked into the evidence. That's what you must do. Point people to the evidence. Point people to who Jesus is. Tell them about his love for them. Do nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Don't get caught up on all sorts of issues. Bring it back to Jesus. It, bringing it back to Jesus helps with suffering, helps with science, helps with all sorts of things. And sharing comes at a cost. It costs time. It costs spare time. Like I was researching a lot this week about suffering. Come and ask me about it at the end. <laughs> um, I was quite a few days ago now, so I might have forgotten. Um, but it costs. If we, are, if we know that there are people all around us that don't know Jesus, we need to pray for eyes to see and ears to hear because we just get so caught up in our own world, we just let the world go by. And there is a cost of relationship. We advertise Alpha, we... Um, promote it, we do all sorts of events building up to it, but the one thing, the main successful thing that gets people on Alpha is relationships. Is another Christian having a relationship with somebody, just speaking to them, ha having their lives open to another person, and that person comes on Alpha. Or continually inviting. I find that works sometimes. Not always. But... <clears throat> It's a cost because you have to open up your life. Be open to having people come into your life, sharing your life. And actually, when they see that you're not perfect as well, that really speaks to people. That is the number one thing. I'm going to wrap up. So that means I'll be another 10 minutes. No. <clears throat> you see, be attached to the vine. I am not a gifted, intelligent man, but I want to, when I am attached to the vine, when I take him seriously, when I'm, trying to, when I'm seeking him and being continually filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what helps me. It's when I take him seriously, when I seek him in this book, that's what helps me. And just finally, wouldn't it be great if we were all like Peter in Acts 4, he was locked up by the council um, and they, they told him, you mustn't speak of this anymore, threatened him. And G Peter says, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Because they had really met with a risen Jesus, spent time with him. If every Christian across the world lived like that, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, the world would change in a couple of days. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, I pray will you come and speak to us right now and show us how much you love us, what you've done for us, and Lord, help us as we step out and try and be bold for you.
Lord, I pray for us as your church. Will you come and help us now? I want to pray now for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Help us this week to be attached to the vine. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us again. Come and fill us again. Lord, I I pray for us all here who know you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear those around us. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray for divine appointments this week for us in this room. I pray that you give us a sensitivity to speak. Lord, and help us point to the glory of the risen King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, it is all about you and your glory. So come, come. Lord, I pray that we enter into a season now as a body of believers where week on week we can share stories of of people coming to Christ, where we've shared our faith, where there's people we've been journeying with for years now will come, finally come to know you, Lord Jesus. I pray salvation, Lord, over this church. I pray we'll see many more come to know you in these days and these weeks and months and years ahead, Lord Jesus, because that's what we're here for, to see more and more people come to the knowledge of the living God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.